0: Hello friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church Westlake, all about the messages we hear each and every week. I'm your host, Nathan Story, and joining me this week is my partner in crime, Cesar Guerrero. Hey, Cesar. Hello, hello. And for the very first time, Rachel Toon. Hi, Rachel. Hey. We're happy to have you. Uh, We are in the middle of a series with our uh, family of churches called The Whole Story, where we walk through the whole story of scripture of the bible uh, in a year and and Rachel is one of our um go-to guest preachers you know stranger to uh the pulpit at Westlake but uh this is your first time on the podcast and we're really thankful to have you and uh, excited to hear a little more about you and the message that you 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 brought to us at Westlake this past Sunday about David the man after God's own heart yeah
1: yeah, this is. let's that first podcast. So this is a momentous day. Uh, Great. To, is this first first podcast ever? I think. Well, definitely ever. with you guys. It might be ever actually. I think. I think this is the one. Whoa. So we're we're starting strong. Oh. Lake Forest. How exciting! <laughs> How exciting!
2: Do you listen to any podcasts? Or are you a are you a podcast
1: I, I am a podcast listener. I'm not like a rabid podcast listener. Okay. Um, uh, but the but there's some there's some good stuff out there. So I I do what I can.
0: Do you feel guilty when you miss an episode? I, I uh, see my I'm thing with podcast. Okay. <laughs> my thing with podcasts is like I feel like I have to go back and catch up and I just I it almost paralyzes me to where I can't do it. I just can't do it.
1: Yeah, I'm not that emotionally committed to
0: entirely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel since it's your first time with us uh on the show, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Maybe your god story tell us your the the short version of your story of faith and how you got to become a preacher and what you do and who you are. Just uh, anything you feel like we need to know about you. It's a lot of pressure. It's a big question. I know,
1: right yeah uh, uh,
0: but let, let, Hit us with it.
1: Uh, well, so I'm from the Pacific Northwest. And so I'm from the Seattle area. And yeah. Born and raised. Uh, my family's out there. My my dad is a pastor of a church uh, out in the Seattle area. So I grew up a pastor's child. And you know that they say we either end up canonized or in jail and the jury's still out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so
0: that's my time thing. will tell, right? Yeah, <laughs> indeed.
1: Um, and so uh my dad pastors is still to this day a really, really wonderful, healthy church in that area. Um, but I don't know about, you know, Carolina churches, but sometimes, you know, West Coast churches actually have conflict and it can be hard at times. <laughs> and so um, when I finished high school, even though I had actually pretty, pretty healthy upbringing in, in the church life, I was just frustrated and angry and pretty hurt and just kind of an angsty 17 year old. So hmm. I, I stormed off to college and was like, eh, I don't really want to do this church thing. I was still a believer, but I was just, I was just angsty about it. And so it was in college though, where I sort of accidentally fell into the theology department and actually discovered a real hmm. passion for it. And I had professors who believed in me and I, Remember telling my, my parents that, yeah, I'm, I'll take some classes, but there's no way in hell I'm going to study theology, quote unquote. <laughs> um, and then that evolved into eventually, yeah, I'm going to go to seminary, but I'm just going to be a nerd and live in a library basement. And there's, again, in my quote, no way in hell I'm ever going to become a pastor, unquote. <laughs> um, and of course, the Lord's funny like that. So I went so off. those of are famous box.
0: last words, aren't they? Are they really are.
1: Words? Don't say that if there's a thing that you don't want to do. Um, <laughs> So I ended up in seminary in Boston, and uh, not only did I love that experience, I had a lot of international roommates, which was so cool, but I oh, yeah. actually became a, a bartender at an Italian jazz bar of all, yes. quote, evangelistic atheists, unquote, and so that actually kind um, of woke up the pastor side of me, where I was like, oh man, I actually really like bringing the gospel gospel to people who don't know it, um, and, and really kind of inviting them to the life of scripture and the life of the church, and so um, I'll be darned, I turned into a pastor. So it happened.
0: <laughs> it happened. <laughs> and I, I believe the first time I heard you speak at Westlake, and I'm, a couple of years ago probably now at this point, you talked about this jazz bar. Were there, was there a story about something getting stuck in your hair net? Oh, yeah, right. yeah. The,
1: so the, the basement, like none of the building was up to code, and so the basement <laughs> was really small. And um, yeah. there was this fabulous Guatemalan family who, who worked, who like run the, ran the kitchen, okay. but they were all a little bit shorter. Um, And so there was some proportion of kind of distance between like fly traps and in height that was off. And it was it was rough. There's there are many there are many misadventures in the kitchen, but they were all awesome. And that that (laughs) Guatemalan family, actually, they were all believers. They were the only believers in the place. So we actually have kind of evangelistic alliance going. (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's great. That's
0: amazing. Well, So tell us, uh, for those that don't know, who haven't heard you tell the stories and, and given your background uh, from the pulpit, tell us what you do now. What is your position now?
1: So I am the Dean of Spiritual Formation at Montreal College, which is just a very sparkly way of saying the campus pastor. Um, So, I kind of oversee chapel series, I I do a lot of preaching, I oversee small groups and alpha, I help students change tires, Um, I call Apple when their phones break, and do any kind of various under spiritual mom duties.
0: (laughs) say yeah, it's kind of like a a campus mom, right? That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, if it doesn't anything, we have our big scholarship kind of fundraising dinner tomorrow. Um, I'm emceeing, I'm hosting the, the conversation, but I'm also driving the van with all the students in it. So that, that pretty well, like, I think embodies kind of my, my weird little world, which is very, very fun.
2: That is really cool. Mm-hmm. Amazing.
0: Well, uh, as we mentioned in the intro, you uh, preached for us at Westlake. You you talked about David, who's one of perhaps one of the most interesting guys in the Bible. Uh, so we're gonna get into talking about that message a little bit. If you don't mind, Rachel, tell us a little bit of your kind of process when you when you're preparing to speak for a church or for students, whatever it is. What's what's like your process for 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 taking apart a passage or whatever it is? How do you go about? starting to think about what you have to say, what God's calling you to say to a specific group of people?
1: Oh man, it's a great question. Um, I So right, everybody's process is so different. What yeah. I what I love to do is I like to know that the, the passage is far out ahead of time as possible because I like to okay. just sit with it. And so I just read it over and over and I'm to memorize it when I'm feeling ambitious. Um, and so just sort of, chew on it uh, for a few weeks and usually it sort of a sermon sort of unfolds itself and so um, if I put anything on paper it kind of depends if I actually write anything down usually that doesn't happen until pretty close to the time but it's been simmering for a really long period of time Um, and so I know you read the same passage a lot you pray a lot and then you just kind of hope for the best I think is (laughs) kind of how it works
0: (laughs) had you had a lot of um, experience talking about david before is david a guy you feel hyper familiar with
1: um i don't know that i would feel i say hyper familiar but i do i love the old testament i teach old testament um for for freshman here i love it because it's so weird and it just freaks people out and i love how real and gritty it is yeah, um, yeah, and so I did. Historically, I've always loved uh, the the Book of Samuel, which is one book, by the way. First and Second Samuel is actually one thing. It was it was just logistics; they couldn't fit it all in one scroll, so they had to cut it in half. <laughs> um, and it's it's just a fun read, and I know students always really like David, so I have spent some some time with them. I would.
0: You said Old Testament freaks people out. What has freaked people out about the Old Testament that you've heard before? Can you think of any specific examples? Oh, that's, that's a little rabbit trail. I'm just curious uh, now. Well, that's the great
1: rabbit trail. I mean, um, one, culturally, the Old Testament is so removed from us, right? So if you think about it, um, in terms of just chronologically speaking, so time-wise, we in 2021 are actually closer to Jesus than Jesus was to Abraham. Like wow. it's a massive amount of time and culture. And so you gotta, there's just a lot to wade through just to kind of get your brain around it. Um, you're dealing with really, really, uh, really hard stuff, like uh, like Israel going to war and wiping out cultures, right? You're dealing with yeah, the holiness yeah. of God, this the trippy Levitical purity laws, and there's all kinds of good stuff in that. And actually, the more you dive into it, the more gospel you see. But if you just kind of did a cursory glance and didn't really know what you're in for, you're you're in for a wild ride. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny you say that because we I'm literally uh, Caesar and I are both doing Bible journey with Gordon Conwell right now with Doctor uh, Tim Laniak here, and uh, we uh, this morning I was doing some of the Levitical and Numbers stuff, and it's it's exactly true what you say. It's the first glance is just like. Well, as a kid, I remember like this is this okay? This is the boring part of the Bible. Like this is the part like (laughs) I just don't care about. I'm gonna fast forward to the good stuff, even though people are getting like tent spikes through the like the head every now and and then. Like there's still still some most of that. You know, I don't really need that stuff. Um, But when when you when you like dive into it, it's so fascinating to see all the kind of really uh, the precursors to to the gospel and to Jesus. It's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah.
1: but it's definitely rated R. So you just gotta you gotta, you gotta buckle up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> well, so when you, um, when you think about a guy like David, you prep and you prepare to, to speak about David. what um, for this particular week, what was kind of the main point that you came to that you okay, there's nothing else that people take away from, from this week and you don't have to preach the whole sermon again. That's not really mm-hmm. the purpose of the show, but it's a little bit just to kind of get the, the process and the idea behind why you said what you said. Um, what was you, can you can you distill down what was the one thing you the takeaway you wanted people to, to get from from studying this this kind of snapshot of David's life?
1: Yeah, so I mean well I'll get to kinda of how I, I got to the takeaway before I say it. And it's Okay. Um so being kind of invited into the sermon series, which I'm a big believer in, I think continuity is important. Um, yeah. and Aaron wanted me to cover kind of David at his best and then I'll be and then Nicole is up on Sunday with David at his worst.
0: Yeah. Um okay.
1: and, and so this idea of being David, being at his best, and I think the wrong direction to go with that is is what I kind of talked about is the distorted view of, of biblical heroes of like oh those are the super spiritual people. Um, and so the takeaway I want people to hear is that a hero in the Bible it's not because they're holier, they're better, they're just they're just more spiritual than regular people. A mm-hmm. hero in the Bible is somebody who knows God and trusts God and obeys God. Yeah. And with all of their hot mess, with all of their inadequacy, God meets them in that. Every time we see a hero show up who is commended for faith, it's not because they're a spiritual superhero. It's because they just believe God's going to do what God said he's going to do. And then mm-hmm. they act. Um, and we can do that. That's We're invited into that, right? The point of the Old Testament is to mirror our own hearts and our own lives. It's actually not nearly as removed as probably we would like to believe that it is. Yeah. Uh, so we can get that as we're reading the stories of of scripture and realize that they're telling our story and that the story God invites us to is just to trust him and to act on that trust. And we're, we're then we're getting somewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what do you what do you feel you started with a with a fun kind of analogy talking about how we're so fascinated with superheroes, though? And so I thought it was interesting how you said, well, this isn't a superhero story. So then I, my question would be if, well, if we're so fascinated with superhero stories and we want, you know, a good story of triumph and, and of a, you know, someone who is a little bit complex because even our superhero stories nowadays, like there's always like, you know, the caveat in someone's character, like, are they, Mm. are they going to be the hero at the end of the day? Mm. Uh, So like, if that's the thing that we all love then then why is David you know not that like why is why why are we supposed to be so drawn to David if he isn't the kind of like superhero kind of guy because that's what we kind of all want right is is to hear a good story about triumph and and things like that
1: well, I think there's there's a difference between what we want and what we need, and I think what what we think we want is all these these stories of these these people who just kind of blow away expectations and who are noble and good and powerful and never fail um because i think we we theoretically want to be like that no we're not what we need are real stories of how people actually work and how god actually brings redemption through that and so um you got to give israel credit right because they're the ones who the, the the people of israel gave us the old testament right that's they're the ones who God kind of first entrusted this this narrative to, and they look terrible the whole time. Yeah, they really do <laughs> because they're actually being really honest about the way people really are. Yeah. Uh, and so, that, what we need is to recognize that we're actually a hot mess <laughs> and we're just really fickle, selfish people. But God can actually do really amazing things through really fickle, selfish people if they're willing yeah. to just acknowledge that and in humility trust that God can do something.
2: Yeah. That's so cool. And yeah, that is a good response to the, the our, our culture's desire for someone to be, you know, this champion on a pedestal. Because, um, I mean, I, I, I feel like that's just so much in our in our current current events is like we want someone to, to succeed, but inevitably they do fail. And then we make a story out of that, too, which I guess is kind of what we're going to talk about next week. with Nicole <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is the, the failing, the failing of David.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah that's that's one thing that's been so interesting to me about David uh, as I've read his story through the years you know growing up in church and here hearing, hearing the the Goliath story the, the triumph and then you know you don't really as a kid you don't really get the the stuff we're going to talk to you about next week until you're older because you don't hear that that part in Sunday school <laughs> yeah. about adultery and murder and all this stuff mm-hmm. and, um mm-hmm. but as I did hear those stories I was getting older and uh, understood the full scope and the narrative arc of where David goes um it's like it's it was it struck me and it was amazing to me that like David's this biblical hero, like he he is someone we're supposed to look up to and he's amazing, one of the heroes of the faith. Um and yeah, he's not perfect. But not only that, but he's like he's like really not perfect. You know what I mean? Like he, he has a it's not that he makes mistakes along the way. It's not that he like turns left when he should turn right. Like he does a, a U turn. Like he makes a huge it's Epically mistake.
1: catastrophically failing level of not perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that I mean that's it's it's not necessarily an exciting thing to see like your heroes fall like that, but what it is, is it's a, it's a comfort. It's a comfort to know that, that someone who could be called a man after God's own heart, which is a common phrase we hear in the church when you t- hear people talk about David, but it's, it's in spite of love, his failures that he like is that still. And then that's kind of amazing and, and comforting. Yeah.
2: And how would you feel like this, this sermon connects with the idea of, I think, I think most people when they see their, their heroes fail, right, their champions fail, like people who are on their side, um, you know, they they become more disillusioned than they are comforted. We're typically comforted when the hero on the other side fails and, and, you know, the people on the other side of of the valley, you know, when someone's Goliath and we have our David and we see Goliath go down, we're like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, and we feel good, but I feel... That's a comforting feeling, I think, for most of us. So, so how does how does David's spe- David's story speak into that kind of that dynamic where we want to see other people's heroes fail, but ours, you know, not fail?
1: Yeah.
0: Great
2: okay,
1: question. Well, well, I think this kind of um, correct me if I'm kind of hearing the question wrong, but I think this this taps into some of our kind of celebrity pastor culture in the U.S. Right where, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure Nicole might. I mean, I don't know, but you might hit on this next week but we keep being surprised that high profile christians fail um mm-hmm. and i'm like y'all what are you so surprised about <laughs> we know this happens and in fact right per per lord acton's maxim right power power corrupts and it's mm-hmm. really that it is only the grace of god that any christian doesn't fall off the edge i mean and and the higher in prominence you you become the, the harder that is and if you look at Um, A lot of the great saints in church history, um, right? Many of them were, were catastrophic failures. And and many of them who maybe don't have as much of that story lived life in obscurity. Um, And I think Mm. that's not a value statement on which call is holier. I don't think it works that way, but I think there are inevitable hazards with somebody like David who rises to prominent leadership and power Um, sin very easily entangles. Um, And so it's, it's really only God's grace that, any of us aren't crashing and burning on any given day and yeah well we we should lament the failures of of christian leaders because it's destructive to the lord's church um also we're destructive to the lord's church
0: <laughs> and,
1: and yet we're the ones that are are it right there's the reason the, the church is a mess is because we keep putting people in them mm-hmm. and yet that's that's the, the church that christ died for so we're always going to be in this sort of sticky place of imperfect people called to do kingdom work
2: yeah and how do you feel like and this is to go back into your sermon how do you feel like your kind of call to actions in your sermon kind of protects us from that you talked about it, it seemed like all of your points kind of said something with god at the center right god's the source go to god kind of thing yeah how does that happen when when we do see our leaders first right we see the people who are supposed to emulate you know our mentors our pastors how, how do we go to god and not set up you know, champions to become maybe a failure, but but go to God who isn't going to.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's a good question, and, um, and and I think I said this as I said this in the sermon. Right, it, it starts with really knowing God and living life mm. with God, because um, if you know Him well, you're not surprised by your propensity to fail. I mean, you're just you're just not, and it's not even a matter of self-deprecation. It's just a recognition, of right? When we, when we talk about original sin, that's a big reform, present thing. anything. Um, we're not saying that every part of you is as bad as you can be. What we're saying is that every part of you is bent in some way, there's just something about you that just inclines to break stuff. And it's not that you will every time, but that capacity is there. Um, and so I think there, that when you're in proximity to God, there's a, just a natural humility that comes when, when you see how incredible Jesus is and that you look at yourself and you're like, man, without him, I, I'm just kind of a train wreck. I'm just, I'm going to break the relationships in my life. I just am.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and so I think that's a really fundamental piece of being in scripture and active prayer with, with the Lord um, to, to hold that mirror up every day and recognize that it really is by great, the grace in which you stand, um, mm. that you're able to walk in holiness. That's, that's what makes it happen. It's not going to be you giving yourself a pep talk every day. Um, Right. And the, and the trust and obedience that, that flow from that, right? That just continues to form a, a heart that um, desires to love God. And you got to do that as a team, right? I didn't get, wasn't able to get into this. Christianity really is a team sport. Um, yeah. So um, active, real confession with other Christians on a, on a regular basis is absolutely fundamental. Uh, it's not blowing stuff up. Um, but I mean, we say it all the time because it's true. It all comes back to to Jesus being in your life and working in you and, and guiding you and forming you to look like himself and you start to get away from that. It's good luck. It's <laughs> not going to go well.
0: Yeah. As you're talking, Rachel, I'm kind of picturing this metaphor. It's an imperfect metaphor. So bear with me as I kind of work it through in my own head, but uh, you know, thinking about a relationship, if it's familial or if it's even in a, a marriage or whatever it is, you know, say someone commits a crime against you, steals something and, uh, you know, if you I feel like in general, if you're a stranger, then you're like, you're, you're less likely to forgive that, a, a, a stranger of like stealing from you, you know, but, uh, as you work and form a relationship with someone if someone, and maybe the, the stealing is not the best thing to focus on, but if someone wrongs you or hurts your feelings, let's say that if a stranger hurts your feelings, you're less likely to, to like forgive them quickly. But if it's someone, uh, that you love or in a relationship with and they hurt your feelings, um, it, it probably might hurt more, but at the same time, if you practice that forgiveness, like if you practice that relationship, uh, you can kind of put on this uh, useful thing that you've worked on. And I feel like our relationship with God is kind of that same way. If we don't, if we walk alongside him, then it, it hurts probably his heart and hurts us to think about hurting him. This is, it's it's getting away from me. It's getting away from me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it wasn't perfect. But uh, in a way, I know, I mean, I'll mean, I, do I, 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 I your point. Something.
1: It, um and that the the more you you get to know god and walk with god and the more you actually develop a real affection for him that's something you want to please him not because it's your get out of hell card you want to actually please god because you just kind of want to and right that's the most powerful motive that's why scripture is always about a transformation of the heart because behavior doesn't stick um but a heart yeah really what really lasts and how do you change your heart you you know you get to know somebody right
0: that's absolutely yeah thank you for Saving that metaphor. You I really wrapped you. that up I a lot better you. than I
1: do. <laughs> I'm I this heard, is
0: part of my job. I do this for a living, believe it yeah. or not.
2: <laughs> All I heard was that I can go hit up Nathan's house, take a couple electronics. Yeah, and we're friends. I'll and forgive you bad. easier. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it was, it was a weird one. Rachel, you mentioned the team sport thing. Is there anything else from this past weekend that you didn't quite get to? Any other scriptures oh, or anything so you wanted to much. use? There's
1: so much. We've so, got
0: time. Hit us um, with
1: it. So part of it is like, so First Samuel 17 is the longest chapter in the Samuels. Um, and okay. it, I mean, it's, it's so carefully crafted. I mean, it builds up so well. And I, I read a huge chunk of it. We read 18 verses yeah. and that's like yeah. a fraction of the chapter. I mean, that that's just a little piece of the story and it just, it's painful to, one of the hardest things about preaching um, the old Testament narratives is because they're stories, right? So it's not like a lot of times in Paul, yeah. right? You can take Pauline letters, little pieces at a time, because it builds on itself. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of work your way pretty slowly and methodically through something like Philippians or Colossians. But when you're preaching a narrative, man, you got to really cover a lot of ground tell you know, these stuff out to kind of get to zoom in on one point. Um, so there's we totally skipped a hilarious conversation David has with his brother, where he, he fights with his older brother in front of all these other soldiers, um, where David is is. You know, talk throwing some shade and saying I'll go fight Goliath, and his brothers like, look, you little runt, you're just here because you want to watch the action, and you're ditching your job at home, and they have this whole like family tiff <laughs> in front of everyone. Um, and if you have siblings, you read that and you're like, oof, yeah, done that. I get that on one yeah. end of that,
2: <laughs> um,
1: and so <laughs> it's just so there's just so much reality to this story, and it's just really masterfully told. So it's it's really quite painful, um, and not to mention he had I had to totally skip over how David even kind of gets on the track to becoming king, like the, when he's declared God, to be a man after God's own heart, the anointing where Samuel shows up and chooses him, the run to the litter, I mean, that whole scene's yeah. really powerful and yeah. significant. So, yeah, I mean, it, it pains me to no end to have to just, like, ax all that, but such is the life of, of trying to preach the Bible. Bible's a big book. I don't know if you've noticed, but it, it yeah.
0: takes yeah. I'm just so why now it's realizing it's kind it's of a, uh... Sorry, go ahead, Cease. <laughs>
2: I was like, why why did you go with the Goliath the Goliath story then?
1: Um, because the the what Aaron asked me to preach was David at his best. And I think that's in a lot of ways the beginning of the best. So um one, it's a story everybody if you've heard any Bible story, you've probably heard that. Yeah. Um, that gets all the press. Um there there's so much depth to it that kicks off his really successful career in politics and in the military and kind of that starts him on this kingly road. And it's awesome because he's this boss, like sophomore in high school, who throws down with this giant, right? And so um, there's so many other cool stories that are that are lesser known that I actually thought about preaching. Um, but the fact is, if you're trying to just kind of cover the whole of the Bible, then you, you got to hit kind of the highlights and the kind of the pivot points, if you will. And that's really one of the kind of transformational moments in David's life where he goes from, all right, Not just a shepherd boy anymore. Now God is moving him into this next season of leadership. Um, And he starts really strong and doesn't stay that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This series has been such a gift for us in many ways, a lot of them being what we talked about earlier in the show, which is kind of seeing the Old Testament for the rich uh, kind of part of God's story that we don't often realize um and, and our story uh, but yeah one of the challenges i think though has just been this kind of we kind of have to have these training montages a lot of times where it's just like okay and this happens and this happens and, okay now we're here because yeah. if we actually are trying to tell the whole story it's yeah. like you know people when you review movies and stuff you hear about plot holes and it's like well if you're if you're really paying attention you're gonna wonder when why and when did we hit fast forward you know yeah. there's some tough yeah, stuff so the old
1: you know why it's long is because it's all connected like if you pull stuff out you're you're missing netflix episodes i mean <laughs> so it's, yeah. speaking of the one for the one who feels guilty about skipping a podcast i mean that's just kind of the reality of <laughs> it's, you just got really really truck through it um but mm-hmm. it's all in there for a reason like you're there yeah. really are threads through the whole thing but mm-hmm. yeah, when you preach, though, you can't, I can't preach all First Samuel and 1 Sermon, unfortunately. He'd yeah. be sitting there a long time.
0: <laughs> There's some amazing amazing kind of um, allusions to Christ and Joseph's story. We talked about this uh, when, we were, when Aaron was preaching about Joseph, and I'm just now actually thinking of a parallel I've never noticed before between David and Joseph and how he was kind of that kind of younger, mm-hmm. hot shot person that and Joseph's brothers were much more critical and even tried to, thought about killing the guy. I don't know if David had that struggle with his brother, with Jonathan or anything, but um, I hadn't quite thought about that before. There's something interesting about this underdog thread we see in a lot in a few of the old Old Testament stories. That's kind of interesting.
1: Oh yeah, God loves underdogs. I mean, and virtually every significant hero that we see in the Old Testament, um, they are underdogs for one reason or another. They're the youngest. They're they have a ba- they have a rap sheet. They're too old. Like whatever the, they're they're a woman or a foreigner. I mean, that's that's the story Ruth. Um, I mean. Yeah, There's all yeah. this whole kind of motley crew of people. And actually one of the cool things for those of you who want a little bonus homework is go read the first chapter of Matthew, which is the one that everybody skips because it's the list of names. And so it's oh, like like, lame. Um, but in fact, what that 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 list is a roster of all the people who shouldn't be in Jesus's biological family, but are Um Including the epic failure that we're going to see from David that's actually listed because Jesus makes all things new and he uses all kinds of messed up people because that's the only kind there are actually
0: Yeah Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned that Rachel that's one of my favorite things to bring up I love Matthew 1 and that it's just this kind of uh, Best of like screw-ups Yeah (laughs) It's and I think that's so beautiful and amazing about what God's heart is for for his people and people in general that um, You know you're never too far gone right Mm-hmm. I mean, the prize of prostitute in that list. I mean, you, you think yep. about a least of these kind of kind of person. I mean, There's, it's, there's some shady people in that roster. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty pretty amazing. Well, any any closing thoughts for us, Rachel, as we kind of close the book on, on this past week and this message on David? Any, any uh, last words you'd have for us as we continue through the whole story?
1: Man, I really would, if you get a chance, to get, go back through and read at least chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. That's the, the full David and Goliath story, but really read first Samuel. It is fun. It's probably, I would say one of the most fun books of the Bible to read and just kind of the nature of the narrative. It's the most like Jason Bourne action movie yeah. kind of of book. And I think it's so important to have that kind of context before jumping into what Nicole is going to bring you on Sunday and to kind of see this whole record that David has and and the, the how that's going to frame um, his failure, and then ultimately his redemption, and in, in ours, which is going to come through Jesus. So, um, I would read that, and I would also kick around some Psalms. I mean, yeah, like like David wrote most of them, and it's such a really beautiful glimpse into the heart of somebody who we are. We know him as somebody who loved God most, a man after God's own heart, and he's got all kinds of complicated emotions because we have all kinds of complicated emotions. And I think you'll be encouraged by just reading the roller coaster that is David don't heart and life with God. And cause that's what ours looks like. And that's why we get Jesus. And I'm really glad for that.
0: Yeah. Well, folks, that is all the time we have for this week's episode of Tell Us More. I want to thank Caesar for joining us and thank Rachel Toon for being here as our guest, for preaching for us and unpacking the sermon for us. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's awesome.
1: Thanks for having me. I love being with you guys. I always love every chance I get to come hang out with Lake Forest. It just does my soul all kinds of good. So thanks for having thank me. Thank
0: you. Likewise. Likewise. Well, friends, join us next time when we ask those ministering to us to tell us more. All right. Goodbye.